brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. The Force will be with you, always. Welcome back to another episode of Star Wars Alliance. Whew, it has been a while since I have said that. Um, we are back from our break. Um, lots and lots of news has come out uh, for Star Wars. Um, we have a book review uh, that is going to be at the second half of this episode. Um, looking uh, very much to Katie's thoughts on that book. And I wish I could talk about another book that we have. I really, really do. Um, You're but... actually further along in it than I am. <laughs> I I just checked. I'm uh, via the app that we have to read it from. It's telling me that I'm 66% finished with it. Um, what a so... 66. So, so, oh, yeah. And that is another topic that we will be discussing. Um, I think this is the first time in a while that we have an actual discussion outside of news um, to talk about that I do want to actually get a lot of feedback from um, from our audience because there are some very vocal people on Twitter and I know that Twitter isn't real life. So I would like to hear some of you guys uh, to, to give us some feedback on what you think about the topic that we're going to bring up today. Uh, but of course, as you heard, Katie is with me. Katie, how are you doing? Hello. You know, it's not a Star Wars Alliance show if we're not late because Katie had either A, technical difficulties, or B, lost her headphones, both <laughs> of which occurred today. So welcome back, everybody. I'm so happy to be back. You know, the break was so needed, but it like you, you know how it always is. And I think David said this best in the email, when shit hits the fan, shit just hits the fan. Yes. So yes, it does. The whole like front, really all of May was just chaotic in the worst way possible. So <laughs> thanks for bearing with us through our mental health vacation that for me wasn't really mental health vacation. but It, it was a much needed uh, relaxation from podcasting for me. I, I have been podcasting uh, with my friend here locally that's in town. Um, but instead of doing three uh, podcasts a week for the entire month, I was just doing one a week, and that felt really, really nice. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, Katie, 
uh, you have a rough outline here that I have been looking over. Um, do you want to go from it is top rough to bottom? Capital R, but yeah, <laughs> top to bottom sounds good to me. Now, y'all, we don't have any sources. This is just obviously this is a month and a half worth of news. Um, so we're just gonna kind of be spewing stuff off the top of our head. I do have like some, hey, do we think this could happen? Parts in the show notes. Uh, but if you want us to expand on a topic, obviously just send us an email, send us a text, you know, the drill, yes. send us a message on Twitter, send us a tweet, uh, and we will come back to the, to the things. So, um, do we want to hit the podcast paperwork side of things first? Yes. So of course we are a part of the geek ultimate Alliance network. We have eight shows across all seven days on a weekly, bi-weekly, and monthly schedule. Of course, the schedule will be below in the show notes if you're listening to the podcast version of this. Um, we try to put it in the uh, notes via YouTube later when we are finished with everything. Um, but uh, if you haven't noticed as well, we have been kind of... Uh, I guess skipping out on our monthly uh, GUA crossover uh, schedules have been very, very, uh, uh, what's the right word? Um, um, chaotic. Chaotic, yeah, um, <laughs> for everybody. Um, I know that Brent last month had a crazy schedule of like working like almost nearly 80 hours a week. Um, and so we are. I believe Chris kind of sat down and was like, hey, what's the best day for this month? And so I believe we have a day uh, next Saturday, next Saturday, which is the 24th of June. My mother, my mother's very mad. I'm going to miss her birthday, just so y'all are aware. But I will be here. <laughs> I mean, I also live three to. hours away from my mother, so ah see that's a good excuse that's a good excuse <laughs> um so we will be having a gua crossover at that time um it is a big enough gap to where one of our biggest topics will probably be the flash um mm -hmm. will be the biggest topic there um and i can't think um what else will i guess it would be I think um, that's we've it. got Spider Verse. We can talk about. Oh yeah, Spider Verse um, is something that we we and haven't. And if people really... want to talk about Transformers, um, that's another good it. option. I, I, I know, I know, <laughs> I know. Katie's don't go on see it. it. Not worth <laughs> it. Like I know, like I I really enjoyed the main two, but that was about it. Like everything else was garbage. It it was. Like from what I've heard, and then there's like a really big like cameo that sets up a crossover at the very end, um, which I think is really cool because spoilers, they are setting that up for comics as well. So it looks like there's a lot of synergy going on with those properties, um, which I'm looking forward to. Um, but of course, like Katie said, um, if you have any questions, concerns, if you want to uh, tell us how good we're doing here on the podcast, how bad we're doing, have critiques, have <laughs> questions, specifically Star Wars questions for us to answer here on the podcast. You can always uh, hit us up on the Star Wars Alliance hotline, which is 830-538-4828. Of course, you can text or call 
Um, you don't have to leave all of your information, maybe just your YouTube username or your Twitter account name or whatever. Um, so that way we can acknowledge you when we answer the question. And then, of course, we also have our uh, Star Wars Alliance Gmail, which is Star Wars. That's S-T-A-R-W-R-S Alliance at gmail.com. So there is no A in the wars. Very important. Don't forget it. So that is it. It for the paperwork side of things. Let's go ahead and jump into the news. Biggest one happened this week, actually. Um, I, I say biggest one, but I think that it was a little bit of a bomb because it just immediately just started flooding the Twitter accounts yeah. um, and our feeds. Uh, there have been some shifts in the Disney slate for movies, and I think this was very much warranted. This was something that we were all kind of expecting due to the writer's strike i think this is very very smart um because who knows how long this is going to last um but the uh original date for the return of ray's movie uh was from uh december 2025 it has now shifted to may 22nd 2026 uh and the other release date is uh december 18th 2026 for the heir to the empire um that's what they're thinking is is that one is okay. that's the heir to the empire feloni one and then they did at so they added that release date because that was all disney had for star wars and then they also added december 17th 2027 and this is predicted to be james mangold's movie which he did acknowledge it and state that he is supposed to be starting work on it in october so this will be interesting um of course we've we've talked about how people that are not in the guild can still write that's just how things are and i'm not entirely sure is Mangold a part of the guild because he tends to write his own stuff, but I like I don't know if he's a part of the director's guild. Director's guild had a pretty he would have to be a part of the, the director's guild. Yeah, he's he's you know he's comfy there, they got a deal, but the writers didn't. So we've heard that he was writing both Swamp Thing and Star Wars currently. Um, back when they announced the Star Wars movie, uh, he did acknowledge that he was also working on Swamp Thing. Um, so I'm very interested to see if they will actually get started on that in October. I think he can map things out, but he just can't put words on paper. So he could he could do what Gunn does and start like storyboarding potentially. Yeah. Um, because I think with his work, he has to be a part of the Writers Guild to work with the specific studios that he works with. Um, so. Yeah. Um, but, but the biggest news that has a lot of people kind of hesitant on, on if this is actually going to happen is the fact that we're getting two Star Wars movies in one year. I don't think that's going to stick. I think Mangold's is going to get pushed to 2028 and then, um. Heir to the Empire is going to be 2027. And then uh, from there, I mean, we'll see what happens. But I think, and this is funny. I saw somebody on Twitter go, this is weird. Star Wars is not a May movie. It's a December movie. And like, 
people still have that mentality. But of course, we know, um, unfortunately, the not very successful solo release right. in between two very large movies and did not do well in the box office. Now, right. do, do you think, uh, and also I just want to acknowledge S Bubs is in the chat. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, S Bubs says that is if his movie still happens, if Indiana Jones flops and it is inst instantly gets canceled. I do want to say S Bubs, I did see today um, and I know you follow these accounts. You probably saw them too. Some of the scoopers that, that we all follow, uh, they have said that they have heard and seen positive reactions to Indiana Jones. And the critics were just very, very harsh against the initial. This release. is what, this is what I was like. Uh, this is what I tried to put in the GUA chat is that Khan was not the right place for Indiana Jones to debut. Khan is an art festival, and we've seen it with Elemental as well. Elemental debuted at Khan as well at the end, and it got horrible reviews. And now that it's having screenings in like America and stuff, it's getting phenomenal reviews. Yeah, I did see that. Like we, there was projections of Elemental bombing at the box office, and then the closer and closer it gets to the actual release, it's on par with the Flash right now. And I'm didn't we see that it debuted with like a 90% critic score on Red Tomato or uh, Rotten Tomatoes or whatever? I'm not entirely sure, but it looks like so, it's Elemental was 59%, I think, and now it's up to 90. Yeah. Um, that's that's what I mean. It, it it was it looked like it was very, very not well received and just blew up. Uh so that is very interesting because for me, mm -hmm. I've seen the trailers for Elemental. It doesn't look like my cup of tea for theaters. I said that I would probably watch that on Disney Plus. Yeah. But if it starts making noise, who knows? I might go see it. Um, in regards, just one more thing. In regards to potentially Indiana Jones flopping and S. Bubs, I know you said you're hoping it's good. I'm hoping it's great too. Um, I think, I think you have to, and this is what I talked about with Patty Jenkins. The movie theater business needs to have some grace um because if we look at mangold's history um uh, in 2010 he had uh night and day which had a budget of 117 million box office 262 wolverine 132 million 414 million logan 127 million 619 million and then ford and ferrari 97.6 million 225.5 million so I think he's got a reputation for everything's going to succeed. I also think you're going to dive into the nostalgia factor here, mm -hmm. especially with his success of having that last hurrah movie with Logan. I think people are going to take Logan and go, okay, this is what I'm looking for, for Indiana Jones. Kind of. Yeah. It's not going to be as drastic maybe, but it's going to hit that. So, and I think even if Indiana Jones doesn't perform where they think it's going to, I think, Mangle has a reputation for success and so he's gonna he i think he's gonna still get it i that is probably the most likely movie other than feloni for me at this point 
Spub says, yeah, I think Indiana Jones will do better than the projections because I think the target demo isn't yeah. very pre-sale heavy. There will be tons of walk-up sales from the older audiences. I believe so as well. Um, as soon as, like, for me, I know that my grandparents don't know that Indiana Jones is coming out. But once, mm -hmm. like, it actually comes out, that's usually when we start to talk to our families about, like, hey, do you want to go see this movie? Hey, did you hear about yeah. this coming out? You know, stuff like that. So I do think you're going to get the the uh, word of mouth sales that are going to be a lot bigger. Um, but talking about the possible May release of the Return of Ray Skywalker, um, do you think it should shift to December? I think it, I think. It needs to, um, specifically because you've got um, Kong, uh, Kong Dynasty coming uh, three weeks beforehand. And I think Disney is trying to strike a balance where you're going to have an Avatar or a Star Wars in the winter. And then Marvel is going to kind of be like your front loaded heavy portion of the year. Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, we, we've we looked at it, and, I mean, when was the last time a Marvel movie actually premiered in December? Like, Captain Marvel is probably going to come the closest. I know Guardians of the Galaxy 2 is probably up there, but I don't remember I, the last time we had a December Marvel movie. I can't, Well, I mean, there was a Marvel show, Disney Plus, was Hawkeye. Um, right. But, but theatrical release, I would need to go back. Um, because I believe a majority of them have been like summer blockbusters or your spring break type of movies. Um, you look at, uh, the original Iron Man's, they both came out, um, summer and spring, uh, Incredible Hulk was summer, um, Avengers summer. Um, I, oh, well, No Way Home was Christmas. Um, yeah. so I, that was I'm sorry. three years ago? <laughs> Two years ago? I, I don't remember that one at all. I washed it from my brain, so I didn't have to think about it ever again. <laughs> um, uh, no, yeah. You... So that was literally the last time. Um, the one before that was Doctor Strange, November 4th. Or no, I'm sorry. It was Eternals, November 5th, 2021. And then Doctor Strange was the latest movie before that. In November yeah. of 2016. Yeah. So I think they're going to, especially with the new Bob back, they're going to try and go back to the, okay, we're an early year release schedule type people. So yeah. I, I do want it to move uh, to December just because it is, like you said, people just recognize December as a Star Wars month, even though we know that the anniversary of Star Wars is in May. I think it's just a safer bet to play around with the Christmas holiday um, for Star yeah. Wars. Um, but in regards to this shift in the slate, we have uh, Sean Levy. We, of course, talked about him possibly being on board with a Star Wars movie, that's not a part of the slate, but with not things, yeah. with things now shifted, with Deadpool moving closer to now less than a year away, this may open up his schedule 
for Star Wars because he has also said he will not be working on Stranger Things until the Writers Guild gets what they want. So that's, you know, that's going to be a while. Now, obviously, Star Wars is still a part of the Writers Guild. So you have to kind of take that into consideration. But again, he could still go, okay, this is what I'm thinking in storyboard. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then... Because I know, like, a lot of... At least get the ball rolling. Yeah. And to me, I think that's... Now, y'all, I don't know anything about the Writers Guild, like, restrictions or anything. So, But this is my picture. Is as a director, he's allowed to go say, okay, this is the story I'm picturing, and present those storyboards. If that's not allowed, that's not allowed. I'm sorry. But we're just kind of picturing things... I believe uh, you can do a really quick uh, Google search for anybody who does want to do the research. Just type in WGA restrictions on strike. Uh, They do have it on their website. Um, That was Mm -hmm. one of the bigger things that they wanted to let everybody know um, when the strike first started. So go check that if you want. Um, I am curious if he is still on board to make a Star Wars movie. I mean, like the big joke in the Netflix movie, um, which was probably one of my favorite ongoing jokes, was yeah. like, "Oh, is that a lightsaber? Is that a lightsaber? Oh, do you have a lightsaber?" Um, I think he would do great. Now, again, we've. Uh, I think me and Travis have uh, questioned it more than anything. Do we need Ryan Reynolds in Star Wars? Is uh, <laughs> is another big question, and I'm not entirely sure I want it, but I feel like we're probably going to get it. Um, it's gotta happen. It's gotta happen. I, and I'm gonna I, love it every minute of it. I think it will. I mean, if it wasn't already on the nose when Ryan Reynolds was able to wield a lightsaber on Free Guy, like I think it's gonna happen. Um, <laughs> but we'll see. We will definitely see. Again, we have no idea how long this writer strike is gonna go. You ask any of the writers that are out there on the picket lines. They said they are willing to go as long as they need to to get what they want. So, who knows? And the DGA has obviously gotten its um it, its deal in place. Um, I I think the biggest thing right now for the Writers Guild is not only like getting um the residuals in place, but also preventing AI, which has become a huge thing this year. From being able to be a huge factor in what um, is being put on screen. Um, because it's really atrocious. Like, I know chat GPT is some people's, oh, yeah, this is amazing. It's really horrible how much people are taking stuff like that for fact. For what it's spitting out. Yeah. Um, so, and we all know technology has no imagination. You like as a programmer, technology has no imagination. You have to tell it exactly uh, the, what it needs to the do. The proof is in the pudding. If anybody listens to the Geek First podcast, uh, you would know this because there's a segment that they use uh, for predictions and everything else. They actually uh, tested it out for a Batman Beyond movie, and if Chat GPT could write a script or write a synopsis of it, and literally just took the synopsis from the show. That's literally what they, it was just literally one episode of the show. Um, yep. So it, it's very, very limited. Um, and 
Esbubs, I do agree with you. Uh, he <laughs> says there will be some masked character for half the movie and he'll pull off the helmet and it's Ryan Reynolds. Um, that seems like a very Ryan Reynolds Star Wars thing. Um, Watch him almost... be the first Jedi ever. Ooh, no. No, no. That's <laughs> it can't it can't because that is that's Mangold's story. That's not Levy's story. You know? Oh yeah, sorry. I'm sorry. You're right. So at I got least lost. Won't, at least it won't be that. I I'll be okay if it's not that. But uh but yeah, that's everything on the shift in the slate. There has been other changes as well. Of course, you can always go and check out uh places like CBR. Um and uh, comicbook.com to look at the full slate. Fullcirclecinema.com. No, I don't think we put up a, a news post about <laughs> movie state changes. So. But, All right. Uh, the next yeah, go ahead, go ahead. topic we had um, was probably the next biggest news piece of all that we got. The Galactic Star Cruiser is taking its final voyage in September of this year. I'm not that mad about it. Like, I'm kind of sad because it was like I wanted to, like, experience it. But it's just it, it it's just the idea of spending so much money on two days. Yeah. Um, I don't think a lot of people were like, oh, no, we never saw this coming. Um, it was just way too expensive. Um, not only was the uh, the price tag to get in, excuse me, expensive, but the price tag of everything inside was super expensive. Uh, you know, they there's videos on highlights of like the most expensive drink uh, at one of the cantinas inside of the experience, and it was like freaking a thousand dollars. It's like, what? Well, like, why would you make something just for rich people? Like, I'm sorry. I, I understand that it's like, hey, there are probably rich nerds, but like you got to make it to where and we've said this when it first came out, you got to make it to where it's an experience that everybody could possibly enjoy. Like there's still people that are fortunate enough to go to start uh, go to Disney World within itself. There's people who aren't able to go to Disney World, but there's still an experience there, you know, Um so this this was nothing big for me. Um, I was kind of glad when it happened. I'm like, great, <laughs> cool. I never have to think about not being able to do that anymore. Uh, so for me, it's just, eh, you know, I'm sure they'll think of something else. Yeah, I think probably what's going to end up happening because the experience was right outside of Galaxy's Edge. They're probably going to renovate it to where it's more like one of the Disney hotels and then turn the space into a Disney hotel. Um, so it's not an experience, but you still get to go in the building and like you have all the restaurants and stuff that were still in there. I think that it's smart because you have a theme for every single hotel. Um, yeah. There's the music theme. There's the sports theme. There's the, the actual uh, animal kingdom theme. There's there's all sorts of different hotels that you can stay at Disney World. Having a Star Wars one will still have a lot of revenue go through it. Yeah. I think it will be fun. And that will be an experience within itself. 
uh, S-Bubs is saying that he knows somebody who uh, is going in August, and they said that the booking was basically empty. I believe it. Um, I think I've had uh, a couple friends look at it since the uh, announcement of the uh, cancellation or the you know uh, closing down of it. And the last weekend is completely booked. There's actual people who like just dished it out and say, hey, this is probably the only chance we're going to be able to do this. And so they actually uh, booked it, which is absolutely insane. Yeah, I and I know that's what they were hoping for with going, oh, yeah, it's closing, but you still have this amount of time to go. Yeah, in, it's like the the scarcity effect. Right. But it appears like it's not working. So <laughs> I, we are going to go to, we're hoping to go to Disney at some point in Florida, whichever one that is, but I'm not pushing to go for that. <laughs> not, not that fast. And for not that much money, cause I will probably spend that much money trying to go for a week. <laughs> so, but speaking of money, we're going to our next topic. Um, this was actually really surprising from a lot of people. Uh, a little surprising by me, but looking at the actual product, it shouldn't surprise anybody. Andor was announced to be the most expensive Lucasfilm Disney Plus show, um, sitting at a budget of $250 million. Was it was it the most expensive Disney show? I thought it was. I this don't is what think I get it was for only reading headlines. I don't believe it was the only Disney Plus show because I do believe there's stuff like uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier and Loki may have had a slider bigger uh, budget, but I believe this said the the most expensive Star Wars Disney Plus show. Okay. Well, I mean, it does. Oh, the per episode budget for entries like WandaVision, Falcon, Winter Soldier, Hawkeye hovered around that of obi-wan at 25 million per episode um to me this makes a whole lot of sense though because tony gilroy has insisted on the actual sets and not using a volume for production um uh, it makes sense because you're gonna have to spend the money on materials you're going to have to rent locations um where you don't have to do that for the volume yeah so i think the proof is in the pudding though that it worked. It worked really well for them. Oh, I, I definitely agree. We, it was, it's wild because while it was going on, we had heard that the numbers weren't great on it. Of course, I believe it was the first two episodes or maybe even just the first episode uh, was debuting on FX to get people to jump onto Disney plus to watch the rest of it. Mm -hmm. But this movie has, you know, or shows, should I say, sorry, uh, this show has been the talk of the town when it comes to the products of Disney Plus. Like, it is very well received. And like you said, the proof is in the pudding. The The fact that they were actually on, on sets and doing crazy amounts of work here, um, I just cannot wait until season two. Yeah. And hopefully it it hits that 2024 release date window. We're going to hope. Have we heard anything on if it's being affected by the... So, Gilroy was still performing producing duties 
I think for the first two weeks of the strike, but then he stepped back and said, I am not going to be working on the show anymore because he was getting a lot of heat back for stabbing is the term um, that the Writers Guild um, has used if you're like breaking the strike. So he's got a lot of heat on it. I don't know if it's stopped production. Hmm. Okay. Uh, We'll probably have to look at that for the next show. All right, y'all. We are going to hit our first ad break and we will be right back in three, two, one. I know this next topic is not going to be all like really big for you. Um, (laughs) Of course, I still need to talk to Brent about possibly uh, doing a review of Jedi Survivor, um, which I have completed. S-Bubs in the chat has completed it as well. Um, So uh, we should be uh, getting that review up pretty soon. Um, But there was a new video game showcased at the uh, S-Bubs. Help me out. I believe it was the Microsoft. Uh, no, it was uh, the Microsoft Showcase and then uh, another award show because there was two of them where one, the trailer was just shown and then the other show uh, the next day elaborated on a lot of the gameplay. You had the developer there talking about it, but that game is Star Wars Outlaw. This is like a two minute and 10 second trailer um, that they showed really great visuals. Um, We have a uh, female main character. Uh, Yes, it was the Xbox showcase and then the Ubisoft showcase. Um, This was immaculate. This was beautiful. It was awesome. Um, This looks like this is a smuggler type of uh, character Mm -hmm. who is on the run from the Empire. She has a bounty on her head and she has a People are weird. I'll just say this. I, I love Star Wars fans, um, but they <laughs> they saw the droid that she was working with, and then all of a sudden, there was like, hey, I want to fuck Forty on main. It was like, what the hell? I don't know what's going on here. <laughs> um, but there is a really cool-looking droid with a trench coat in the game, and uh, one of the topics that we're going to be talking about here, um, very small topic, but there is a character in this game that is going by the name of Jalen that mm-hmm. people mm-hmm. have a tin foil hat on um, specifically probably more so because of the clothes that he is wearing um, is the <laughs> biggest indicator of where the conspiracy has started. Um, to say his name already. But it, So people are thinking this man Jalen is actually Kyle Katarn. Now, Katie, uh, you being the Legends individual, of course, in this podcast, please tell the audience who Kyle Katarn is. So Kyle Katarn is one of the, uh, is a main video game character um, who is a Jedi, and uh, he's a main Legends video game character, and he was actually the Jedi Master um for um Jaina Solo teaching her kind of how to manipulate the dark side within herself but stay true to the light side so the the wikipedia summary Kyle Katarn was a famous force sensitive human rebel operative from Suwon and later a Jedi of the new Jedi order he was formal imperial officer who defected to the rebellion 
often paired with fellow rebel agent and smuggler Jan Ors. He performed many covert missions for the Rebel Alliance and later the New Republic, including the sabotage of the Dark Trooper Project. Katarn was later informed of his Force sensitivity and taught himself to become a Jedi while in search of the Valley of the Jedi. During this journey, he confronted the dark side within both himself and in the form of dark Jedi Jarek and his minions. After defeating them, Katarn went on to become a Jedi Master, teaching at the Jedi Proxy. He participated in the offensives against the Yuuzhan Vong and became a part of the Jedi High Council in the New Jedi Order. Yes. Uh, famously, if you guys want to check out those video games, they have been on sale very frequently on uh, Xbox, on the PlayStation Store, as well as Steam and some Humble Bundles. Um, those games, it's a trilogy of games. It is Star Wars, uh, Jedi Knight, Jedi Knight uh, Outcast, uh, well, sorry, Jedi Knight Academy, Jedi Knight Outcast, and I can't remember, uh, Mystery of the Sith is the other one. It's Star Wars, Jedi Knight, Mystery of the Sith. Um, these uh, games are older, so just be aware of the graphics. I know a lot of people these days are just like, ah, if it's a bad graphics, I probably won't play it. They're really fun games. Uh, they were some mm -hmm. me and my brother's favorite games uh, when we uh, were younger. Uh, but yes, Jalen has a very specific type, or sorry, not Jalen, sorry, Kyle Gatarn has a specific kind of look. It's like this tan beige shirt. Uh, brown pants and he has like this weird like kind of shoulder strap type thing um that uh it almost looks like a shoulder pad it looks like one shoulder pad um but this is what people just started everybody's like is that Kyle Katarn is that Kyle Katarn is that Kyle Katarn I am very very interested to see because of course uh uh this individual on Twitter um, Mace uh, Windu, of course, he is uh, on TikTok. He is uh, big on Instagram as well. Um, he said that Kyle Katarn in his career did go by different aliases. So it isn't, you know, a big tinfoil hat moment to actually believe this could be Kyle Katarn. Um, now, Sbubs does say in the chat, um, that he's interested to see how this game goes because he felt that Jedi Survivor had already everything that he ever wanted in a video game, including the open world aspect. Um, it did. The one thing that it was lacking from both the first game, uh, Fallen Order and Jedi Survivor, was the actual feel of the space travel. Um, in those games, you just go into the ship, you click the home world, and then... It's basically just loading everything while you're in the ship. You can see out the out the uh, viewing port or whatever to see you mm -hmm. go into uh, 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 hyperspace and everything else. This game actually lets you start from the planet, go into the atmosphere and into space and travel mm -hmm. through space simultaneously. Like there is no there. There's a little like graying out because of clouds or whatever. And of course, that time would be, you know, what it is that that's loading the next segment of space. But it looks amazing. And you can actually have like firefights in space as well. It, it looks really, really fun. You could have firefights in Lego Skywalker Saga. 
you can you can (laughs) but like for me one of the things that i do like as a fan of star wars is this isn't an it might actually turn some people away because we've we've talked about how there is a uh, no lightsaber effect on people when it comes to Star Wars. Um, this is this character is not a Jedi. Your main character is not a Jedi. She's a smuggler. She's going to be using blasters a whole lot. She has a little uh, alien pet pal family member, uh, as the developers say, uh, that is able to do things for you within the game. This isn't going to be your uh, uh, Cal who is, you know, using a blaster and a lightsaber, you know, and he's not going to be switching between one lightsaber to double bladed to single. No, you're just going to be using blasters. I think so. I think this will be fun. It'll be a different part of the Star Wars story. It is set between uh, Empire Strikes Back and. uh, Well, yeah, Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. So it is during the quote-unquote dark times, but I think it, it will still be a lot of fun. Now, Katie, um, I don't know if Matt purchased uh, Jedi Survivor, and I don't know if you've been watching it. He did not, because he has not played the first one. Okay. So, Will, is this one on his radar? So I specifically sent this to him and I said, okay, so you will be playing this and I will be sitting there crocheting watching you play this. <laughs> so. so it's not on his radar, but you've made it to be on his radar. That's yes, good Yes, and he was very I'm, excited. <laughs> I'm, I'm okay with that. I'm, I'm actually really excited about that. Now, uh, next topic, uh, we saw that the uh, this was a pretty big blow to some fans. Um the Knights of the Old Republic switch port for the DLC to actually complete the game has been canceled. Um, I do believe uh, if you go follow Minoc Manor over at uh, Twitter, he did say there is a kind of slight kind of workaround to get the rest of the game. Um, but for the most part, the actual licensed Nintendo Switch version is not going to be releasing. Now, uh, this is not on our show notes, but a little bit about the Knights of the Old Republic. Katie, I don't know if you heard about this, but I did put it in the chat of the GUA, not necessarily uh, the the Star Wars Alliance chat. Embracer, the company that had uh, purchased the studio that is creating the remastered version of Knights of the Old Republic that was announced back in 2021, is shutting down it is closing its doors and it is firing almost 1700 people um it is said that the announced projects will be coming out but i think this means that the knights of the real republic remake that was specifically going to be on the ps5 is no longer going to be coming out it's coming out on ps6 <laughs> a bad joke. Sorry. Um, no, I did see that. Um, again, being a non-video game person, it really is like not a huge deal to me. Obviously, it sucks that all these people are going to be losing jobs, but I really hope um, that other studios will pick them up because of what we see in the video game industry of overworked video game programmers. 
So yeah, yeah, it would be smart to um, grab them up. And I wonder if Lucasfilm um, will end up passing off the remake because obviously the work is already there. So you could go, okay, well, we're returning the work to you. It may not necessarily be finished, but here's what's been done so far. And Lucasfilm may shop that out to another studio. Yeah, it'll be very interesting to see um, where that goes because the last time we heard about this, uh, there was uh, some confusion on when the release dates were going to be. The director had said, oh, we're actually going to be a lot sooner. And the developers were screaming, are you freaking crazy? All of these different <laughs> things. Uh, so it's going to be very, very uh, interesting on how the development of that, if it even does uh, come out. Um, but we do have some Ahsoka news. Uh, Katie, yeah. you want to take the helm on this one? Yeah, so we did get a release date, August 23, 23rd. Um, sorry, y'all. <laughs> I put chapstick on and it's like making me talk funny. Um, so we did get that release date. However, during this time period, uh, Ray Stevenson, who plays Balan Skull, um, prolific actor in the community, uh, did pass. Um, so uh, Ahsoka, I believe, is his... Um, not his last performance, um, but it is his second to last performance. Mm -hmm. Um, so just kind of keep that in mind. Um, and Balon Skull is a former Jedi that survived Order 66, which is our topic of discussion. Um, and he became a mercenary for hire. Um, the other thing that I find interesting, uh, Katie Sackoff visited the set. Uh, but did not confirm if Bo-Katan is present in the series or not. And this is one of those things where I was like, hmm, we know the Darksaber needs to be repaired because I don't think they're just going to let the Darksaber just, oh yeah, it's gone. Well, okay, so if the Darksaber needs to be repaired, who repairs it? Do you think it's going to be Ahsoka? Because... I see why not. It'll it'll be very interesting to see if that happens because the conversations surrounding the creation of lightsabers to begin with is that they're personal objects created by the Jedi themselves. Yep. And the Darksaber being such an interesting aspect, the creator of it was still a Force user. Everybody who's wielded the Darksaber since, other than Darth Maul, has not been a force user. So should it be repaired? Like that's the bigger question. I think we're just going to see a wave of hands and it's going to be the same black saber that we've all we all know and love <laughs> um with the actual sword design. Uh so as much as we want to dive in and go should it be repaired? Probably not. But but, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I so the reason it's just like I think Ahsoka might be hesitant to do so in my mind. Like I think Bo is gonna go, hey, I want a favor, <laughs> and kind of I enforce could see the, hey, I gave you direction, because uh, I'm sure Ahsoka was working with her. Now you could also see. Grogu repaired the lightsaber. That could also be another option. What do you think about that? 
I could see that happening. Um, I wonder if, of course, I think eventually uh, Grogu will be getting some more training eventually um, from who, who knows, um, whether that be Ahsoka. Um, but I could very much see him learning about the uh, deconstruction and construction of lightsabers and him creating a new Darksaber. Um, I think that is valid enough because he is now Mandalorian. Um, so I could actually see that actually. So I, I, I'm, I'm hesitant to believe that Bo-Katan will have it repaired. And more so now that we've had this conversation, I think Grogu will do it. That's, that's a big enough win for me. Um, but the, uh, we, uh, do you want to have our discussion now, or do you want to have uh, you, the picture that you showed us here um, in our show notes uh, has been a topic of a discussion itself. Um, there has been individuals that believe it is quite a familiar character to Star Wars fans, and then some that believe that it's a brand new character, as well as some of the worst fears and what you believe it could be. Is that this might be Ezra? So yep. elaborate on that, and then kind of go about what other people are thinking as well. So well, some people have thrown out, oh, it's um, oh my gosh, Barris, um, from the Clone Wars, which could be interesting. However, um, we can kind of see it's a. Sorry, my sister is in the middle of a softball game right now, and my mom is texting me updates. So I'm sorry. Um, so, but you can clearly see male body, obviously. Um, and in some of the behind the scenes pictures, you can actually see they used a male stunt double, which kind of backs up the idea of, hey, this um, is not Barris. Now, the thing that could be interesting, right, is if it's Ezra, that means that Thrawn kind of got him to turn to the dark side. Which we know he was close with Palpatine. We know he knew about the Inquisitors and everything. So it's perfectly plausible that Thrawn, being the person that he is, wanted to um, create his own Inquisitorial staff. And yeah. that's something that actually kind of carries, could carry over. Because... Um, the last thing that Thrawn kind of appears in is called the Hand of Thrawn duology, where he basically set up his own backup empire to go, hey, if something ever happens to me, this is what happens, like, including cloning himself. Okay. So it could kind of be an interesting concept to pull from Legends. I don't think this is going to be Ezra. I think this is more of a flashback into the Rebellion era where... Um, Ahsoka is um, it, it is being a fulcrum, being the defender um, that we know and love her. I, I kind of thought maybe this is the Inquisitor, like we're going to see her um, purify the, the kyber crystals because that's what happens in the Ahsoka book. So you could see that as a flashback. However, in the trailer, we see her battling what we think is this Inquisitor with her white lightsabers. Yeah. So that would not support that fact that this is that Inquisitor, which I think was the eighth brother 
Which, so it could kind of line up, but it also doesn't because she's battling the guy with her white lightsabers. So yeah. I still think this is a flashback. I don't think it's Ezra. If it is Ezra, because we only see him in the hologram in the trailer, I'm highly intrigued to see if they play this off like Ahsoka's going to get a second season where she and um, Sabine are trying to bring him back to the light side before heir to the empire but see what if that's the big twist or that's the big cliffhanger we don't see if this is in fact ezra we don't see a return to the light side until the actual movie of heir to the empire so going into heir to the empire we see a dark side ezra still I don't think you would play it that far off. I think you would go, oh, it's a cliffhanger. He's going to be dark side. But then maybe you jump into Heir to the Empire and he's light side. Hmm. Because I think you have to deal with, like, there's, in Heir to the Empire, there's one dark side agent. And it's um, Joris Saboth. Mm -hmm. um so i don't think you can pull i don't think ezra replaces joris in that case i don't think you're conforming to an adaptation in that true regard. true and i think still because we've talked about this star wars doesn't necessarily do adaptations this will be right. technically the first type of adaptation but and i think it may just be it's going to be an adaptation like, yeah. it could be they're just taking bits and pieces, which would, to me, if you're taking two or three things from the book, you're not making an adaptation. You're saying, I really like this stuff. I'm going to use it for my own benefit. And I I think the exact same. I think that if you take the title and one or two characters, that is not Heir of the Empire. It is essentially, hey, this is an homage to the original concept, um, yep. which is a completely different thing. And I, I agree with you there. Um, I am hesitant to think that there is a cliffhanger where Ezra is still on the dark side and then jumping into Air of the Empire, he's on the light side because then you have so many questions, right? Mm -hmm. Like, oh, how did it happen? Who was able to finally break him to come back to the light side and everything else? Um, and if the homage to air the empire is going to be uh the fact that they do bring in jairus or somebody like jairus you still need to work with the idea of clones and if we're yeah. cloning ezra i don't know how i feel about that you know it did you ever read the third air to the empire book not yet okay take your headphones off real fast <laughs> i will okay yeah Okay, so the idea of cloning could work if you take the third book to Heir to the Empire in effect because he clones Luke in that case. So you have L-U-U-K-E. So it could, in theory, work if you're taking bits and pieces. <laughs> okay. Um, you do know I still have to edit this, right? Just skip over the 53rd minute. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> No, but it'll be very interesting either way. Um, but it does bring us to our uh, topic of discussion 
Um, and I don't think this will be very long uh, because it'll be basically uh, just your opinion on it, my opinion on it. And of course, um, I did take some screenshots of our own GUA chat when I did ask the question um, because I still think this is a very big topic that people um, that I want to hear opinions on. So, of course, anybody uh, that is listening to this, um, I asked because Katie saw this. Um, and if uh, some of you follow me on Twitter, you saw that I had a little bit of discourse with an individual um, over this discussion on whether or not we have too many survivors of Order 66. Um, when I did my own research, because again, I'm not the Legends individual. I don't know all things Star Wars. I do have to look things up still. I typed in, what is the average number of Jedi before Order 66? And everywhere I clicked, the number pops up 10,000. About 10,000 Jedi were in the galaxy at the start or before Order 66. And when I say, okay, how many Jedi were there after Order 66, or how many Jedi were killed during Order 66, a lot of people have concluded that about 10,000 died. So that is a very narrow amount that have died. Um, so, Katie, if there are 10,000 people on Earth, and then a meteor comes, destroys half the planet, and there are only a hundred people left. Is that a large amount of people that are left out of ten thousand? No, and I think, I think the biggest thing is that Star Wars has tried. A lot of people in Star Wars like to think that Star Wars is a small galaxy. It is not. I'll repeat See, that one I, more time. Star Wars is not a small galaxy. <laughs> I was trying to find the um what is it the 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 map of the galaxy of star wars yeah. I, i'm i remember that you've shown it several times i couldn't find it for the life of me um but it is huge there is hundreds of planets yeah. in the 784 galaxy. i think 784 planets and not to mention like i don't know if there is a new planet that is uh, created for every book that we read, but it feels like it is because it's <laughs> a plant. There's, there's usually a planet that I've never heard of that, that ends up in a book, but this discourse, uh, a lot of people believe that the more that there are like the Jedi that are popping up as survivors of order 66 makes the event of order 66 less impactful and abby said that i may have gotten too far with this analogy but the person that i was having this discourse with when he first made his argument uh with that he said it would make the uh e event of order 66 uh less impactful and i equated it to the nazis killing the jews I said, oh, well, finding out that there's more survivors just puts, you know, the the event of the Holocaust 
less impactful. Do you know how stupid that sounds? Like <laughs> it's so, and it may be I, really, it may be really. You're not wrong. It's a terrible analogy, but like in terms of like putting like in into perspective, I mean, it, beat for beat, like it makes sense. You're not wrong. <laughs> and so, like he still was like, yes, that's exactly what I'm saying, and I'm like. Oh my God. Like, how are these people actually believing this? Like, and like you said, there are hundreds. And that's what I was trying to tell them. Like, this is a galaxy. We're not talking about a solar system. We're not talking about yeah. one planet. These, all of these Jedi were not on the same planet when they died. They were scattered because we have the uh, Republic space. And then we have the uh, outer rim. Like there are so many. And again, people don't realize one of the biggest opportunities that Jedi Knights and Jedi Masters have when they graduate from Padawan to Knight and then Knight to Master is that they're they're opened up to be free and do whatever the hell they want. If they want to go be a researcher and like, you know, visit different planets, they can do that. There are they were probably. 10 Jedi, I'm just going to put out a small number, 10 Jedi that were in the Outer Rim doing research had no clones with them mm -hmm. when Order 66 happened. Does that mean that they survived immediately after when they came back? No. Yeah. But the there were Jedi that Order didn't carry lightsabers. Like, yeah. You, so, like, you could potentially go, oh, that person's not a Jedi. Like, completely. Um, Numidian Prime on Twitter actually did an analysis of who we know has survived, and I'm not going to go through every single name, um, but in canon, you have 16 survivors of Order 66 who were confirmed dead before the start of A New Hope, almost all within 10 years of Order 66, 22 survivors with unknown fates. And this is largely Easter eggs of Legends survivors from the Path Wall. Uh, and then six survivors confirmed alive as of the start of the New Hope. Uh, and then whether or not you think they should count, uh, he includes uh, Vader and the Inquisitorius. For shits and giggles, why not? Yeah. So that makes a grand total of 56 survivors that yeah. have been named so far and there was there take, was an oh go ahead go ahead sorry if you take the ten thousand number that's 0.56 percent and now i'm not going to go through the legends math he did but he did do some legends math and if you people want to say oh well legends did it better 181 survivors of order 66 it's even more yep <laughs> and one of the one of the other arguments this individual was making to me is oh well then don't make new characters survivors there's established characters within the jedi order that we know survived that we still don't know what happened to them i'm like yeah you do they survived that's the whole point they survived yeah. and they were talking about um oh shoot who were they um uh they had a uh cameo via uh obi-wan mentioned their name in the path i can't remember the jedi that was boss uh, boss yeah uh Quinlan was uh, one of the Jedi that he would like to hear more from. And I said, they may have a story about that, but they're not telling it right now. 
they decided yeah. that they're telling this other story within Ahsoka. And that is completely okay. Like, And Quinlan is not going to be the type of person that's going to show up in something like Ahsoka. That is not the type of Jedi he is. Yeah. Plain and simple. Like, and everybody had to do something different to survive. And this is what I put to the guy. Because I decided that jumping into your discourse on Twitter in the middle of one of the worst migraine attacks I've had in quite some time <laughs> was a bright idea. Um, and this is what I said. Just because you all experience the same event doesn't mean everybody's trauma is the exact same. And that's what makes a character story great. Is you, diving into that. You said something that spoke volumes and i and i noticed that uh um blue Mo uh blue milk mama also like liked it um you said that just because you're a survivor does not mean you survived or or, or something along mm -hmm. those lines and th that's how a lot of these survivors of order 66 are they are lost they are in shambles like we're clearly seeing it with this character that Ray Stevenson is uh, playing, uh, Balin, like we we see how lost he has been. There are spoilers for Jedi Survivor, um, others that are lost, and we will talk about that more in the review that we're going to have. Um, but yeah, I want to go ahead and, and I asked this question in our GUA chat. Um, is Order 66 being used too much as the idea of survivors of Order 66? Um, Travis Snell, of course, uh, one of our founders of the Geek Golden Alliance, said this. I've never liked it from Rebels till now. I've never been a fan of them doing it. For me, it makes the original trilogy less special. I also feel that they use it as a crutch of life instead of something creative. It's always just, well, they survived Order 66. It's tiring. Um, and of course, I also have Joe and Chris, respectively, from uh, World's Finest True Believers, as well as A Walk Through the Multiverse. Uh, Joe says, I don't think it hurts it. I like uh, that we're getting multiple different Jedi surviving, so we can then see where they were, how they survived, and what they did in the, uh, in the meantime. But the original trilogy is part of the Skywalker saga. I like seeing other people in the galaxy as well. Uh, Chris says, I never thought that they got everybody because of Obi-Wan and Yoda. If they made it, then there were others out there. I never thought hundreds, but maybe 25 to 50 survived. So yeah, like it, it makes sense that there are other survivors of Order 66. I don't think... Are we getting a lot of that? A little bit. Like the idea of like, oh, they survived. Oh, they were... Yeah. But the only... Oh, go ahead. And I think it's the point that we've made a lot is they can leave the Order 66 round behind. They can go to other eras and tell other stories, which is what we hope that they're going to do. But that doesn't mean that you and I don't like the characters they're adding yeah. to the Survivor story yeah and, and 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 we've we've said that a lot we've said we are tired of the skywalker saga but if you add interesting stories within the saga and characters with compelling stories then i will care about that character i will like that mm -hmm. character do i like the era that we're in i'm getting a little tired of it but 
if like I said, if you if if the only reason they're bringing up these survivors is to state in the Skywalker saga, then I'm sorry, everybody, you're going to get more survivors because they love the Skywalker saga. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what I said, I said, just because you're alive after a traumatic event doesn't mean you survived. Boom. Yes. Anybody Speaks wanted the direct volume. tweet. Um, but yeah, uh, that is uh, the discourse of the week or the month, it feels like. Um, but <laughs> I did want to add one more thing. Okay. To some people's arguments, because a lot of people are like, well, if there were all these survivors in the galaxy, then Yoda should have sensed them. And I think even tracking back to Legends time frame, we all knew that Yoda went to Dagobah because it was a good hiding spot because of the cave that's there for the dark side nexus. That specifically hid him from other people looking in and that prevented him from looking out. Obviously, yeah. he could still reach out with some effort, but when you're trying to stay hidden, you also don't want to broadcast your appearance by going searching for things. So I think it makes complete sense that Yoda didn't sense everybody who survived when he says, oh, but you're the last Jedi in Return of the Jedi. I don't think that breaks canon. I, like, I've never believed that at all, that Yoda was almighty and powerful. Yes, he was the Grand Master. But that's because he was older than everybody else. I'm sure if Yoda was 200 and had a normal lifespan in the Star Wars galaxy, I say normal with air quotes, um, then it could have been worlds different. But he was 900 years old. So Yeah. Uh, I would like to ask the audience, if you guys have an opinion on this topic, please let us know. Are there too many survivors? Are there not enough? I, I, I genuinely want to know how the rest of our audience and fans of Star Wars feel about this. Um, but uh, moving on. All right, guys, this is our second ad break. Remember, we don't choose these ads. If, if you don't like them, I'm sorry. It's not on me, but we'll be right back. Um, small uh, update on Acolyte. Uh, Acolyte is not affected by the rider strike um so that's nice yeah and obviously y'all we're talking about the rider strike a lot and like complaining about some things moving on we completely support the writers getting their yeah. due completely 100 percent. So. um the next tiny tidbit Bo-Katan and Din kissed in a deleted scene of the Mandalorian season three and i would very much like to see it <laughs> uh they actually i believe i can't remember the exact quote but uh i think it was also meant as a joke not necessarily like a real thing oh, boo. but even so i would still love to see it they katie sackoff is a hilarious was individual that is an outtake yeah yeah but she is a hilarious individual. Uh, I would like to have a conversation with her. Uh, I believe she's actually coming to a convention that's in my town um, within the next month or so. Um, don't know if I'll be able to make it. Uh, but every interview that I've seen or bits and pieces of interviews that I've seen on TikTok, she is absolutely hilarious. She is a very down-to-earth individual. Yep, 100%. The other thing for The Mandalorian is that season four still looks to be on track. Um they did some pre-planning knowing that the strike was probably coming. 
Um, so it is still probably on track. Now, granted, we're probably not looking at getting that until potentially next fall sometime, but more than likely 2025. Yeah. So, um, that is taken into consideration. And then the other thing, uh, Visions Season 3 is already in the works, like we talked about. So, I don't know if we'll see it until potentially 2025, but we'll see what happens. Well, it'll be it'll be interesting because uh, we have seen that uh, UK writers have joined in on the strike as well. Um, I don't. Yes, they're know. not allowed to participate in any like American projects. Well, that is going to be a very interesting thing when thinking about Visions, because Visions is a project that is international. It's not mm -hmm. local uh, in America. So I'm interested to see if like there's going to be any like apprehension to work on this project due to the strike, you know? Yeah, that's a very good point. Be very interesting. Um. The next bit of news, modern era Star Wars comics are already coming to the Marvel Epic Collection. Um, the first one getting tackled is obviously the 2015 Star Wars run. Um, and then I think the next one we'll see will be um, the original Darth Vader run. So obviously I'm not picking these up um, because I have most of them already. <laughs> so, um, and I don't like duplicate copies. But, um, yeah, if you're interested in them and kind of getting a bigger collection, but maybe not necessarily an omnibus, I did like the Epic Collection a lot better than an omnibus for getting to read them. So, yeah. Uh, this next topic is just a quote and we'll discuss around it. Uh, very, very interesting quote from Mark Hamill himself when asked about, uh, you know, his future in Star Wars, if he will be Luke Skywalker again and all of that jazz. He says, uh, it is unusual to see yourself like that. It can be cheap. Talking about the uh, CGI AI version of himself on The Mandalorian. Uh, people say, oh, now you're going to be able to do a whole series of Luke Skywalker post Return of the Jedi. I said, I don't think so. First of all, they don't need to tell those stories, but if they do, they can get an age-appropriate actor. Sebastian so, Stan, damn it. I, okay, it definitely needs to be Sebastian Stan. Um, but uh, Snell brought up a good point when this quote was shared in our Star Wars Alliance chat. He's like, then stop saying yes to go on to Mandalorian. Um, because he's yep. already made two appearances. He's made one at the end of season two, and then he made an appearance in, uh, well, technically, the book of Boba Fett. Um, so what do you think? Um, do you I agree think... with Snell. Stop doing it. Well, if you really mm -hmm. think that, stop doing it. 100%. But since they've made the precedent of casting Mark Hamill, we've had these discussions before slightly, but do you think they go out of their way to negotiate with Mark Hamill to use his likeness without him as the body double and just use him? 
Like, I, I genuinely think that's going to be a discussion with with as much as there is like this pushback on AI from writers and actors and how the studios really want to use it because it's a lot easier, it's simpler and all of this stuff. I think Lucasfilm would 100% say, oh, we can just use AI. We can just use CGI. We can just create Mark Hamill as Luke Skywalker. That's what I think. But what do you think? That's totally what they're going to say. And they're going to offer Mark a bunch of money in order to actually do it. I hate it. I hate it, though. I hate it so much. I hate James Earl Jones giving up his voice for Darth Vader. I do, too. Because I believe there are plenty of uh, uh, people who can imitate that voice. But what happens if Mark Hamill says no? Do they just completely change the story and then fans are just like, what the hell is this? Does it not make sense after that? Like, I that would be that I think that would be a more interesting story. And that would be something that I would love to follow because I think it would make headlines that Mark yeah. Hamill refused to use his likeness in the next Star Wars film or the next Star Wars project. Like it's it's because, again, it's part of the OG crew, right? Um, you know, we, we've kind of joked about the fact that, you know, although we don't believe he would ever say yes, but it's only inevitable until, you know, he was impressed with Indiana Jones de-aging. Yeah. Do you think they're going to use de-aging and CGI for Han Solo on another project? You know? I hate this conversation so much. Can we just kill AI and never like I hate it. I hate it so much a, because I think you're missing so much of the actors in the body. And I know you agree with me, but it's just I hate it. I I was worried about this conversation as a whole in Hollywood when the news came out a couple of years ago, uh, where there was individuals that were wanting to make a war movie with James Dean and they were like hey we don't we don't want a James Dean like actor we want James Dean so we're going to go to the Dean family and see if we can recreate him in CGI for this movie once that started once that conversation started I said it's going to happen all over the place I said that eventually you know hopefully James Gunn doesn't necessarily just give up on finding the new Superman and just decide, hey, we're going to use an AI CGI Christopher Reeves because that was my biggest worry. Like, oh, everybody wants the classic Christopher Reeves type of movie. They can literally just recreate him, you know? Um, so it'll it'll be very interesting to see how this moves forward if they ever need to use the Luke Skywalker character again. Can you do Heir of the Empire without Luke Skywalker? Most likely. But is he going to really want to do it without Luke Skywalker? That's going to be an interesting. I think the biggest thing, and he, this is the argument I have with Snell, is that I don't think you can tell big stories about Luke and potentially Han without Leia. And I don't think... I don't think Billy is going to give up the rights to say, okay, yes, you can recreate Carrie. That's going to be an interesting conversation after 
this new movie comes out because I didn't know this. Carrie Fisher still has a movie coming out. Her yeah. last performance. Now, I wonder if they're going to be doing the exact same thing that they did with Heath Ledger in his last movie. Um, I don't know how wacky of a world this movie is going to be pertaining to Carrie Fisher. But in the instance of the last movie Heath Ledger was in, um, they had some free liberties with the way the story went to recast the character with every new like dimension that they jumped to. And so it wasn't yeah. just Heath Ledger. It was also Johnny Depp and it was other actors. I can't remember off the top of my head. I think Colin Farrell was in that as well. Um, but are they recreating Carrie Fisher's face and likeness in this new movie as well? Or does she only have a small role in it? You know? Um, it'll be very interesting. Well, it'll be released next week. So. Oh, wow. It's that soon? Yeah, I think it's been it's been stuck in development hell. Um, she did actually wrap filming on it six weeks before she died. Um, oh, okay. And it has okay. just taken seven years to come together due to Fisher's unexpected death, the COVID-19 pandemic, and visual effects challenges. Um, wow. She is the character Hazel. Um... Is this a theatrical release or is it going to be on a platform? It is a digital release. So it's going to be, you got to pay money for it. Okay. Oh, it, apparently it is slated to premiere in theaters. I'm sorry. I may wait until it is on a digital platform. Um, just to see how it's just that so goes. expensive. I'd rather, I think I'd rather go to the theater. <laughs> Well, I mean more so streaming, not necessarily POV where yeah. I do have to rent it. Um, it depends yeah. on like who produced it and stuff with how fast it'll get on a on a streaming service. Well, and again, uh, Billy did play her own mother in The Rise of Skywalker. Um, so do you think, again, I hate to say it because it's just the way life works. Money makes the world go round. Do you think if Lucasfilm throws enough money at Billy's face, will they just say, hey, you can play her. We'll just reconstruct her face, your face to look like hers. I don't think so, because I think and I mean, we look at um, like some of the interviews that Billy did with Carrie Fisher's star in the Hall of Fame, um, which obviously she got that, too. Um, so uh, that's really good, obviously. Um, but Billy had basically come out and say, like, she basically wasn't speaking to Carrie's brother and, like, family in that direction because of some of the stuff they did right after she died. And I think that ends up with, like, maybe Billy was grieving and her uncle was like, I'll handle everything. Like, but he did a bunch of interviews. Um, I think he even did a book on, like, experience in Hollywood but I think he was the one who said yes to Carrie being in episode nine Ooh. and reusing some performance footage. So as much as Billy came in and said, oh, okay, I will, I will put on the helmet and the costume. I don't think, I don't think Billy actually had any digital alteration to her face. Like there's not much that needs to be done to make her look like Leia when 
you only see her face and not like anything else. Okay. Yeah. So I don't think Billy would have agreed to do that. Maybe she's a mom now. Who knows? Yeah. I hate but it. it. It's it's going to be a very interesting few years for Star Wars. Uh, you know, we really hope that the uh, Acolyte really hits it off so that way they can explore more into the High Republic. Because I do think Star Wars fans will really enjoy that era if they just give it a chance. Um, yep. But speaking of the High Republic will be our last topic of the night, I do believe. And then we will move on uh, for YouTube. It'll be our second segment for the podcast, guys um, and gals. Uh, it'll be an entirely separate episode, but we will be reviewing uh, The Path of Vengeance, which is the last book of Phase 2 of The High Republic. Um, but you, uh, you have here in the notes that there are more young Jedi adventures coming later in the year. It says that October to be announced projects uh, entitled Shadows of Starlight. Oh, well, that's a completely different thing. Uh, so I have yet to finish Young Jedi Adventures. Um, I have as well. I've got to do that. I got distracted with everything that was going on. And then I realized that we said we were going to review Rebels. And so now I've been <laughs> watching Rebels. So I'm sorry, Young Jedi Adventures. I'm coming. I promise. Uh, the next part of the High Republic, we see that in October, uh, there is a to-be-announced project uh, that is entitled Shadow of Starlight, written by Charles Soule. It's a four-issue comic covering the year between Phase 1 and Phase 3. And here Ooh. is the cover um, for the first issue done by Phil Noto. Um but we were wondering what Soul has kind of been up to. Obviously, he just had a book release entitled The Endless Vessel. So he's been doing that. He worked on a novella kind of tying into that book. It is on my to-be-read pile that is sitting right beside me. Um, <laughs> so I'll let you guys know how it goes. Um, but this is his next um, High Republic Star Wars project. Because he is also writing the droids... Uh, crossover. He's writing Star Wars um, the main run right now. But we see the High Jedi Council right here. We've got everybody in attendance. We've got Yoda, um, Opa Rancis, um, Yariel Poof, and then all these other ones that I don't know the name of. Um, so this is going to cover the year between Phase 1 and Phase 3. I, hmm, I don't know how I feel about this. I... I think I wouldn't hate it, and I don't hate it, okay? I really enjoyed Soul's work in comics, especially as of late. Mm -hmm. But I hate that we are literally going to have two issues of this and then dive into, or I'm sorry, we're only going to have one issue and then dive into the first adult book, which comes out November 7th, or November 14th, excuse me. Yeah. So we're only going to have one issue of this. I think if you were going to do this, it needed to be coming out right now. I see. This is the only time in Marvel that I would really love for them to have a trade release immediately to have yeah. this as a graphic novel to be able to read before the release of the next phase. Um, Cause there are going to be questions on Hey, why is this character doing this? And we won't find out until the comic. Um, yep. 
And that's my biggest problem is if you're going to do this, it needs to come out before any material in phase three does. Now, again, Charles soul is kind of the one that is orchestrating everything that is going on in star Wars right now via comics and the novels and has been a little bit part of the uh, creative side uh, in movies and television. Um, of course, that being uh, accolade as well. Um, but maybe this was all part of the plan. Maybe there won't be any big reveals until, you know, that issue two comes out after the first novel, you know, um, that'll be very interesting to see if it does play out. Um, Charles Soule has been very, very vocal on how you should be reading these books and comics. Um, and he says, as they release, so if that is the case, I wouldn't necessarily doubt him when these come out. But I think for us being so invested um, and me especially being somebody who likes to read a story literally instead of having to jump around mm -hmm. in timelines, um, I would have preferred having this entire year uh, being told to us before we jump into the next one. Yeah. And, and like I said, I'm really looking forward to this. And I think especially seeing the uh, Jedi Council go to work and see what happens because they're supposed to be the focal point of this. Uh, it'll be very interesting to see while also just being like, mm, especially with how they've spread out the release for phase three. You would think that they would have gone, oh, okay, we need to spread this one out too. Yeah. Because you look at it and um, like the phase three mainline comics are going to also start in December. So you're going to have two to three issues out before those start as well. And which I know they're not going to like follow the same characters or they're going to they're not going to fall shadow of starlight is not going to necessarily fall in line with those being like the main focus for the higher public Avengers and the higher public Marvel line. But I still, I, I like linear. <laughs> We're a linear <laughs> team here. <laughs> Very much so. Um, but yeah, that is it for all of the news that we had to catch up on um, there. Oh, there was one tiny bit of news that actually should be all the way at the top of this podcast because we talked about it there um idris elba is apparently going to be the quote-unquote villain of the ray skywalker movie which is i believe rumored right now not necessarily confirmed but apparently he's yes. in talks to be the villain because y'all's favorite scooper person the one who like does things said it and i was like oh, okay this could be interesting but then giant freaking robot exclusive did and i know giant freaking robot exclusives a lot of things but anything they put out i'm not likely to believe which is why i didn't mention it because as soon as it came with giant freaking robot exclusive attached to it i was like okay it's not real i honestly did not even know that giant freaking robot was attached to this at all so i apologize so again we've always said Take everything with a grain of salt until it's official with StarWars.com. Yeah. But that is going to be And I don't think for... they're going to be able to keep casting for movies hidden as they do, as they try to do for TV shows. 
That so, is also true. Yeah. I know Daisy Ridley is finishing filming Magpie right now. Um, mm-hmm. So theoretically, as long as um, if we see the writer strike start to come down, um, the AMTP agrees to terms and conditions, um, then hopefully we should see stuff start to move on that fairly soon, I would think. Crossing my fingers. Yeah. But that will be it for uh, this podcast. Of course, you can always find me at FanboyClay on Twitter. Uh, I haven't been as active on Mastodon as I thought I was going to be. Still have it open, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am under... Uh, we are under embargo and uh, technically... Well, not technically NDA, but still embargo over one of the best Star Wars books uh, I have ever read. Uh, and I will keep it at that. Um, but yeah, uh, I cannot wait to talk about it. But we will be talking about Path of Visions here really quick. Uh, but Katie, where can everybody find you? So y'all, you can find me on uh, Twitter and Instagram. It is uh, Slice of Katie. And um, sorry, I was looking something up at the same time. I'm not used to this, y'all. I'm out of practice. Um, y'all can find me on Twitter and Instagram. It's at Slice of Katie. This show, you can find... Um, on Twitter, it's at Star Wars Alliance without the A in the war is very important. Don't forget it. You can also contact us at 830-538-4828 for a text or a voicemail or a voice memo. Just give us some way to address you so we can credit you on the show as long as everything's positive or not positive, but like approved to share. Um, yes. And then you can also email us. It is StarWarsAlliance at gmail.com. Remember, there is no A in the wars. It's very important. Don't forget it. Uh, and as always, if social media explodes, uh, please go to my personal website. It's SliceofKitty.com. Or you can go to the Geekverse website. I believe it's geekverse.ca. Um, and you can find where to find the shows uh, for the future. So with that, I want to wish everyone a great day or night, whatever time of day you are listening or watching. And we will see you all next time. Bye, y'all. May the force be with you. Oh, my gosh. I said the slice of film one.